Mindless Can, the podcast with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work and in your community. Beautiful. Good morning, and uh, welcome to the Kindness Can podcast. Good morning, Paulie. Uh, good morning, Jane. So lovely to see you, and so lovely to see uh, all these faces on our screens. Absolutely. So something I wanted to pick up because it definitely feels like the words that I'm hearing a lot of, and this obviously doesn't just pertain to the parents, but I suppose the adults in the room, the adults in the community, as we start to gear our children up to get back to school in some way, shape or form. That may be online, that may be in the classroom, but the kids are talking about it, the parents are talking about it. And I suppose, you know, in the work that we're doing with staff and learner or staff uh, at the moment, getting ready for their learners is there's a lot of big feelings around. Sure. I know I say it a lot, but I think it's an important thing for us to remind ourselves of. Kids feel all the same feelings as adults. Uh, So the kids in our community, no matter what the exposure has been to the trauma that unfolded last week, they will have a sense that something is wrong. uh, And attached to that, they will start to feel a range of different feelings similar to ours. So we can expect that our children will be feeling things like anxious uh, and scared, uh, unsure, They might be feeling sad. Uh, They might even uh, be feeling angry about the fact that they haven't been able to go back to school. They have to go back to school online uh, or that their routines have been changed in some way. So I think quite right, Jane, as the adults in the room, it's it's part of our job to to first of all, try and understand what some of those feelings are for our children and then to work with them to to process uh, those emotions. Some of the feedback and the work that, again, we're doing on the online space for uh, staff compliments is obviously children have experienced different degrees of trauma. So I think on a collective space, what role can a parent play in A, supporting their child in and on their journey and also being a friend to the teacher? Um, I think this really is a time for all of us to just go gently as we move forward. Spot on. In terms of exposure, I think kids will have varying degrees of exposure depending on where they, where they live, uh, what they heard and what they saw, uh, but also what they were exposed to on TV or on social media. So to, to the adults in the room uh, listening, stop exposure as of now. Uh, so the traumatic incident has, has happened, uh, but moving forward, we want to limit that re-exposure over and over again because that feeds into the trauma and can become uh, what we call secondary trauma. So we want to stop the exposure as much as we can. Kids don't need to be watching videos and seeing photos of this over and over again. They don't need to be driving by and revisiting uh, places where, where trauma took place. So we want to limit that. For kids who have been exposed, though, and even kids who haven't been exposed, there needs to be some kind of simple, 
explanation of what has happened. Uh, you, you don't want to kind of create too many fairy tales uh, or myths around this because, yeah, kids pick up when we're not telling the truth. And then they go to school and they've got, you know, you don't want to be the kid in the class who, the only kid in the class who still believes in Father Christmas, right? You kind of want to prepare them, right? You want to kind of prepare them. <laughs> you want to prepare them or people might start saying certain things. So I think having preparing for your younger kids in particular, a simple explanation of what happened. Uh, and the older your kids get and the more ability they have for language, uh, the more conversations you can have around this. But you want to hold those conversations and guide those conversations uh, in supportive, constructive ways. Um, for your teens, you want to hear their opinions. You want to check in with their feelings and engage with that, uh, but being supportive of it. Um, yeah, I think something that will be important for children as they go back to school is to reassure them that their school is safe uh, and that their teachers are there to provide them with safety. We, we kind of want to kind of nurture this idea that what has happened has happened and by and large, for, for most of us, we're going back online or back into schools and, and those spaces are now safe and you're going to be okay. Um, I think your second point is very, very valuable. I think it's important for all of us to, to attend to our own emotional experience of this, but also be conscious of the fact that the people around you, including service providers like teachers, are human beings too. And they are going through their own emotional experience of this. So at a personal level, go gentle on, on your teachers. Uh, send them messages of support. Um, offer to, to help in, in, in any way that you, you can. You know, they, they are they're really brave soldiers that are going on to the front line. They're part of the next phase of, of dealing with this, not just with Corona, but the traumatic events that unfolded last week. So offer them your, your support. I think at a practical professional level, if they're going to be there for your kids, it can be useful to give them information about where your child is at, what your child was and wasn't exposed to, what you have and haven't shared with your child, and how your child is doing emotionally, just so they've got a heads up. I think that's useful information to have. Gosh, I just think about being that teacher receiving 20 to 25 case studies of a slide scale of trauma. I mean, that's enough to push everyone into overwhelm, take into consideration that, yes, teachers are people too. They've got their own lives. They've got their own trauma. They've got their own anger. And picking up on anger, definitely that is one of the narratives that's coming through, particularly in the teen age group, is this rage. And you'll know more than anyone, because I haven't gone into the land of teen yet, um, that teenagers aren't necessarily the most vocal and expressive, but they're carrying around this anger because of what's been fueled and watched predominantly through social media over this time? Yeah. First and foremost, anger is a very understandable and natural feeling for all of us to be connecting with right now. Uh, and and we, we can't wallpaper over that feeling, but we've got to be very careful of what we do with it, okay, what we choose to do with it. We've got to find, because no one has taken away our ability to choose in, in this moment. Uh, you very much still, your agency is still intact. You're allowed to have these feelings, but you are still accountable for what you do with them. And we've got to choose 
healthy uh, ways of dealing with it. And that includes anger. So checking in with our teens and anger, not just trying to, to wallpaper over it or skip past it. Yeah, sit with that anger. Be curious with it. Why are you angry? What about this makes you so angry? I want to understand that. Don't just skip past the feeling straight into, well, we're going to go do this with it. Only once we have uh, established connection can we move into the space of correction. Uh, So, yeah, sit with your teens. Be curious with that feeling. Hold it. Acknowledge it. And then we move into the space of, right, what can we do with that feeling that feels constructive? or gets us closer to a world or a life uh, that looks the way that we want it uh, to look. So we don't want that, that, that anger to, to morph into a hate. Uh, I'm very conscious of, of anger kind of distilling into othering and, and racism in this moment, and that's not constructive. Um, mm. Second of all, yeah, I think teens are notorious for, especially teen boys, uh, not being so vocal and not being so good at talking about the emotions, it doesn't mean that they're not having them. I saw a wonderful image of that was explaining anger, and anger is sometimes like an iceberg. So on the top, you see the displays of rage, the slamming door, the pushing of things, the rolling of eyes, okay, uh, the aggressive noises that sometimes come out of teens that are hard to make sense of. But beneath that, uh, like an iceberg, those displays of anger can be indicative of a whole bunch of other feelings below the surface as well. Anxiety, uh, fear, uncertainty, shame, guilt. Uh, So when you see the anger, acknowledge it as anger, but in that space of being curious with it, also make sure that it might not be representing other feelings that they might also be having in this moment and making sure that they're making space for those feelings uh, also. One of the things that I know came up in one of our staff support sessions yesterday is how far do we push teens? Do we keep saying to them, like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And your teen's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And my sense is that you should keep checking in. So in the mornings, um, in the evenings, I just want to check in with what is everyone feeling in their body? And I just want to check in what is everyone feeling in their hearts. And I just want to check in what are the thoughts that everyone is carrying in this moment. And you might get varying degrees of of information, but the check-in is important. If you're not getting much information from that, uh, that's okay. But what you can do is sort of just drop little pearls of wisdom throughout the day. Things along the lines of it's very normal for people to be feeling angry right now. Or uh, I've been quite tearful today. And, and I think it's just a buildup of a whole lot of emotion that I'm having. And I know that I need to be kind with myself with those feelings. So you, you just kind of drop in little, little bits of wisdom through the day. You don't have to have a big conversation about it. You're just dropping it into the mix. And then you carry on with what you're doing. Because your team might not, uh, or even your child, might not acknowledge it. But you can be sure that they, they, they're hearing it. Well, that brings me to a question that's just come through that says, my teen is 14 and she doesn't know what she is feeling. Is that okay too? Absolutely. Well, I think confusion uh, is something that I'm feeling a lot of at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's like a roller coaster. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling a bit of this. I'm feeling a bit of that. It it all just feels like a bit of a fruit salad of of Mm -hmm. feelings right now. And so, yeah, for that 14-year-old, I think a useful response would be something along the lines of, 
Feeling confused right now makes perfect sense. And it's a hard feeling to hold because it's hard to know what to do with confusion. But let's, yeah, let's sit with that feeling with compassion uh, and kindness as we slowly start to make sense of it. If you can imagine uh, a tangled a ball of string, I think that's what lots of us are feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you imagine that old game pickup sticks, we've kind of dropped the pickup sticks onto the table and they're all kind of just lying there in a mess. Over the weeks to come, we're going to slowly pick up the different pickup sticks, separate them out, and choose what we want to do with the individual parts of this experience. Or with the, the tangled piece of string, we're going to yeah, spend some time slowly untangling this, separating different feelings out so that we can attend to them and know what to do with them. Just had a vision playing pickup sticks. Remember when you'd use the one stick to flick the stick over the pile? We're going to be doing a bit of that every now and then as well. <laughs> so, Paulie, we chatted about trauma and anger and confusion. What about the child that doesn't want to go back to school because they are still trying to deal with not feeling safe in the world because of a pandemic? And now, on top of a pandemic and being scared of people in their classrooms for getting sick, but they're scared that other people might actually want to hurt them or their homes or their family. I mean, so it's it's secondary trauma, isn't it? I mean, it's just like another layer to take to school with you. Yeah, I think that we can understand that fear. We can understand that avoidance. I don't want to go back to spaces that make me feel scared because the scary feeling that I had over the last week was very hard to manage and it still lives inside of me. And I, I don't want to kind of poke the monster and going back to school feels like I might poke all those feelings again. And that that anxiousness of the anxiety that we've sometimes spoken about in, in the past. So but we've also got to be very, very careful with uh, those avoidance type responses because consistency and predictability and connecting with spaces and people that are safe and reassuring is very good for soothing those uh, emotions right now. So if you are a parent struggling to get your, your child to school, I would be very careful of just giving in to giving in to the request. I think that you should be trying to do as much as you can to encourage and support your child to go back into that space, back into the normal. And that might require you to uh, have supportive conversations with them. It might require you to upskill them uh, with certain tools that they could use when they have those feelings uh, when they are back at school. So very simple things, uh, the dropping of the anchor that we've sometimes spoken about, anything that can just help you, simple things that can help you feel safe in a moment, your breathing, your visualizations, your affirmations, your asking for help, um, those kinds of things. And if your child is struggling to go back to school, I think this would be a good time to reach out for professional support, giving your your child a platform and a space where they can talk through uh, some of their experiences and feelings and then get more of those tools that they can use. Because the longer a child stays away from school, the harder it is to get them back. Mm, Definitely. This is obviously, as always, going to take guidance from the parents. And again, we need to be applying all this stuff to ourselves before we can be of service and inverted commas to them. I must say for me, um, during this time, I get to most of my days feeling guilty, that guilt is back uh, because I feel like I'm tending to so many things in a day that by the time I get to them and I've got three of them, um, 
I've got very little to give, which makes me feel like I'm falling into that trap that I'm coming out and I'm giving all my love and my light and free, you know, emotional sessions and school sessions and, you know, working on the radio. And then I come back home, so to speak, and I'm got very little. Um, but I had a, I had to carve out the time last night. I was very um, intentional about like, I'm missing these kids a lot. So I need to make a plan here. So it took like a, uh, a detour off the normal evening of sitting as a family. And I went upstairs and I invited Rocco up and we lay in bed and we looked at a book for a while. And I, I kind of felt the soothing come from you, Paulie. I just felt like I needed him to say, I love you and I'm proud of you, Rocco. And he said to me, I love you and I'm proud of you, mom. I said, no, no, no. I want you to say, I love you and I'm proud of you, Rocco. And I could hear those words coming out and him smiling as he was saying it. And then I did it with Cooper individually. And then I did it with Lula individually. And Lula looked at me in the dark with the little fairy lights above her bed. And she said, I've never said that to myself. And I said, but how good did it feel to tell yourself that you're proud of how well you're doing through COVID, through the scariness of last week, through going to school. And I could literally feel them smiling like yeah. I'd never I'd never taken them through their process before I've said often to them you make yourself proud or you make me really proud but I'm definitely going to start working that more that kind of taking ownership of who you are to yourself yeah I love that Jane I absolutely yeah I just love that I love the, th- the fact that you you checked in you made specific time to check in with the kids but what an effective use of affirmations. And the more we manually practice those kinds of affirmations with our kids, over time, that just becomes the way that they naturally talk to themselves. That becomes their self-talk, which becomes their feelings and which becomes their behavior in the world. So in a moment like this, it's very, very important to use those affirmations, get our kids to say supportive, encouraging things to themselves. Uh, but it's also very, very useful outside of moments uh, like this. So, yeah, I think that sounds like a very special moment. Coming back to what you were saying earlier, though, I think it is hard uh, to, to adult right now. It's very hard to parent right now. But kids learn from what they see. So finding that balance between, yeah, when you take some time for yourself, remember that you are role modeling. Um, you are role modeling things that they could do to to also help themselves you're also role modeling the fact that yeah it's okay to take time for you but then you balance it out by being having those intentional moments where we are together and they don't have to be deep and heavy every time Uh, they can be as simple as they just lie here for 10 minutes together and just do a bit of breathing let's talk about where you're at uh, or let's just sit here and play a game together doesn't have to be long and complicated but just that that check-in that connection yeah, well, I've actually written on my hand because last night I was like, this can't just be a once off, but it's almost like it has to be engineered for now because there's just so much wanting my attention. Uh, but 15 minutes per child, because I usually gravitate towards these two things as a family, but then I feel like I'm missing people because as a mom, I think you mostly go towards the kid that needs you the most. So the other kids kind of are peripheral. Uh, so 15 minutes, 15 minutes a night, body to body, heart to heart, not deep and deep, because I love to go deep and deep. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, bro, you don't have to be so heavy. You don't have to be so deep and deep about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
I think I, I love the fact you've written on your hand, uh, set a reminder on your phone for yourself uh, that I need to check in with each one of the kids and this is what I'm going to do. Just kind of those little reminders because I don't know about you, but it just feels like the days kind of are blurring a little bit at the moment. And then we get into being kind of like, oh, I wish I'd done that today. Or I forgot to send that message. So that brain fog thing again. So everyone should be walking around with a, a piece of paper and a pen at the moment. And so just kind of taking notes in the day of things to remember, your, your to-do list or, or using your phone to, to kind of help you with those things. Well, I was so pleased yesterday. You remember all through the day, I was like, ah, oh. I slept so well last night and I got into bed last night and I was the girl that was doing the checking the community watch. And we spoke about it yesterday afternoon in one of our staff facilitations. I know what I should be doing, checking the community watch, going onto Facebook, writing lists. I was in list mode last night. I had my list, my to-do list has a to-do list. You know what I mean? Like I woke <laughs> up this morning, I've got like notes and folders. Um, so I'm feeling a little bit like, what day is it? Um, and it's only 24 minutes past nine on whatever day it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I think in response to that, first of all, yeah, there's no space for self-criticism or judgment right now. You, we're not going to get it all right. Uh, not in this moment uh, and not in this lifetime, I'm afraid to say. So your compassion and your care when you make a mistake, even if you know it, uh, is very, very valuable. We want to activate the compassionate part of our brains in this moment because that's what we need and that's what's uh, soothing. And, you know, I always say, you, know, you turn regret into wisdom. So today, yesterday, that's where I fell off. Uh, and today I'm going to turn that into some wisdom of things to be conscious of and try better uh, at I'm not sure if anyone wants to make any, yeah, ask any questions or make a comment. I don't know if you're sitting on another question, Jane. Um, this one comes through. Good morning. Thank you for the amazing talk. I can relate with that to-do list. I was wondering how one handles that. I think to-do lists are useful right now. Um, I think being conscious of not doing them later and later in the night uh, to, to, to interrupt your sleep is not a good thing. But yeah, keeping a list, uh, using uh, a list is very, very important right now because you are feeling quite confused and there is a lot of brain fog going on. Um, what I sometimes do is keep a, a pen and notepad next to my bed. So when you do wake up in the middle of the night, write down whatever woke you up, uh, whatever you came to in that moment. And then put the pen down, close the book, and put your head back on the pillow and reassure yourself that I've got my list, and that list starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Mm. Some lovely words of encouragement coming in here. Um, great advice, not just for my teen, but for me too. Oh, I said that to my kids last night, one of them. I was like, I'm just a grown-up that has children. Like, I still feel very childlike in a lot of my life, just with a load of responsibilities. So I think, you know, the... The entry point of the work that we do at Kindness Can is always self first. Um, I think that sometimes we go into loving and making sure that everyone is okay around us and not prioritizing ourselves. Uh, and, you know, in order to have a kind world around you, you need to plant into yourself. You need to, I love it, drop an anchor into yourself and instill and impart and invest. Um, a lot of time and compassion. I think compassion is a huge word at the moment. Uh, we spoke about it yesterday. 
that by default, you know, your, your, your brain wants to keep you safe. So it's always looking for the worst case scenario. And unfortunately, it's always so blimmin' ready to pick up the stick of shame or the stick of guilt or the stick of judgment. And I have to catch myself and say, no, 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 put that stick down. Rather give yourself a hug. Go and have a cup of joe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Instead of hauling yourself over the coals again, man. <laughs> well, I know we started this conversation today saying uh, that kids have all the same feelings as adults. Uh, and the converse is true as well. Adults have all the same feelings as kids. And mm-hmm. so that fear you see in your kids, that uncertainty, uh, that I don't know what to do next. Uh, you've got that too. Uh, so make space for your experiences of that also. That and what's for dinner tonight. I wish I could just walk <laughs> into the kitchen and say that to them. Hey, dudes, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone for their love, support, uh, for showing up, being with us. Uh, this last comment, actively using drop an anchor, visualizing the weight dropping off me is grounding. So that's mm-hmm. so great as well. Um, and this one says, my 12-year-old is listening in and full of smiles. Thank you for the advice. Oh, my love, we never stop learning, hey? Um, and I think role modeling to your children that we don't have all the answers and we end this together is also somewhat of a comfort. Yeah. Smiling at all of you. Sending lots of lots love of and we'll, we'll connect tomorrow morning. Just to remind you tomorrow morning, uh, we have Jess Bisson, uh, on who is... Um, a speaker and a facilitator. She's written a piece that's gone viral called uh, We Are Both. So we'll chat to Jess and uh, ask her to read that piece for us tomorrow morning. And then on Friday morning, we've got Karen Allen, who is a photographer that was in the eye of the storm over the last couple of weeks. Don't know if you saw his picture of uh, the like superhero coming out of the smolder and uh, the rubble. Uh, we're going to be asking for his um, kind and good, uplifting, uh, we are building together stories. We love you very much. We'll chat tomorrow at nine. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.